All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 19 of the Daily Faceoff Podcast. Ooh. It's uh, Steve Eisman episode on the show, or Joe Sackick, if you're somebody like Biebs. But of course, what? crack a beer for the Potter. <laughs> it's legal drinking age. Yeah, that too. That too. A couple episodes we were old enough to drive. Now we're we're old enough to drink in Canada. In Canada, soon, soon enough. Well, we'll be... Ontario, right? Yeah, true enough. But anyways, you, we we drove up. Potter drove up to Quebec to party for its 18th last. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, if you haven't been listening to the first 18 episodes, I'm your host, Brock Segan. With me, as always, is Dylan D. Berthium. How's it going, Dylan? What's happening, Brock? Nothing. I'm actually kind of excited that Potter's old enough to drive. Uh, but also with us is Michael Beebs Bonnie. Michael. And that's me not responding right away because <laughs> I was just trying to scare people because I don't know if you guys have Brock on Twitter, but he threatened to kick me off the show last week. So, um, because of a little Twitter battle we had with our avatar pictures, which I didn't see a problem with. I thought it was hilarious. Me posting a picture good. of Claude Lemieux skating away from the Detroit bench <laughs> with everyone. <laughs> with, uh, is it Draper down? Or yeah, Draper's Yeah, Draper just on off. the ice, like, sorry, buds. And Claude just skating away like nothing happened. And another, then, uh, another appearance in the podcast for Draper, just wanted to say. <laughs> just somehow manages to slip his way in, like, every yeah. episode. It's but awesome. I'm back. That's funny. And, uh, no, yeah, I mean, you know, I guess what I got to say is, I mean, we lost the game that didn't matter and won the game that did, so I, I, yeah. two points for us. Yeah. That was a good game, but, though. Like for Which one was game. cooler to watch, though? Oh, man, watching uh-huh. Steve Eisman's score was uh-huh. so sick. Like, Sackick, too, came in, just Chino, too. Like, that, watching like, Waugh just stand on his head? Yeah, it was so typical. Wings just dominate, Avs stands, or uh, Waugh stands on his head, and Avs win. Like, such a typical <laughs> 1997 game. Yeah, well... I mean, we win the same way we won that. Yeah, it's no kind of crazy that so. the Avs can form like a formidable alumni game when they've only been in the league for like 20 years. I yeah. know, and it, there were some good names on there. Obviously, I mean, even Greg DeVries made it out. How about that one? Yeah, I mean, there, there was a bunch of dusters on there too. <laughs> what? Greg what kind DeVries? of relocated team wins the cha- the championship in their first season though? Yeah, it's impressive. I mean, I hate the shit out or of unimpressive them. Or unimpressive. Thanks, Quebec. Quebec. Yeah. Appreciate it. <laughs> QC. Uh, but anyways, I guess we might as well get into it because we have quite the show here we got a lot to talk about it seems like every week i'm like i have no idea what we're going to talk about and then all of a sudden i come up with a bunch of nonsense and we run an hour and a half uh (laughs) but the trade deadline's come and gone uh really like the most boring trade deadline yet uh you know in recent memory uh in a way that was a good thing i mean trade deadline day is usually absolutely insane for me it still was pretty crazy even though it wasn't that busy i had dylan on hand waiting to help but i never 
Really needed them, so thank you, Dylan, for being there for me anyways. Sorry, it was a half-ass offer, really. That's <laughs> all good. You, you told me months ago that you were down to help. Yeah. Uh, but let's get into the trade deadline, and we're a couple days late, obviously. Uh, some of this shit's been beaten to hell already. Um, but let's just revisit it really quick, and then we'll get into some, some more uh, fantasy-relevant topics. So I guess the first thing I want to know from you guys is uh, which team do you guys think was the, the trade deadline winner? We'll start with you, Biebs. <sighs> Who do you think? Um, I think it was Colorado for me. Um, <laughs> and honestly, I'm just it's super biased pick, but at the same time, they went out and they got Bodker. Um, I, I didn't really expect them to make any moves. Um, I could still consider the Sean Mathias move a couple weeks ago a great third-line player to pick up, and they didn't they give up a fourth-round pick for that. find that to be a good move. Um, and then, obviously, Eric Jelena. I've liked this guy for a while. Uh, he broke in the league really quick, and then things have kind of happened out in New Jersey. But, uh, but I think he's a very good defenseman. I think he's one that Colorado can definitely re-sign at maybe a cheap price to start off, and he can uh, he can break his way into the top four out there. But uh, for right now, being in the top six is just great. He dressed last night. He played somewhere around 15, uh, 18 minutes. Um, and I'll take that all day. I definitely think Colorado was the winner, at, or one of the winners at least at the deadline, one of few. Yeah, it was funny. Like, I was watching Trade Center all day, obviously, and they were talking about, like, okay, when's Bodker going to go? Where's Bodker going to go? And, like, I didn't even think, like, we talked about it last week where we thought these guys were going to go. Uh, we I, I, we did not have the Avalanche as buyers at all, really. No. And, uh, they, they really went out and did it. But it was also hilarious, too, because they added Bodker. And then everybody was saying, like, oh, you know, that's a good move for Colorado, whatever. Like, I mean, some people were saying that. Other people were saying that Bodker's overrated. But um, then they were like, well, they, what they need is a defensive defenseman. They need a defenseman, whatever, to, to help balance out that blue line. And then they go and add a guy who's not known for his D at all, who's just yeah. known for his absolute yeah. cannon. So it was yeah. kind of a strange move. But I actually like Jelena, too. I mean, he's a big body and has an absolute blast. But um, my winner, yeah. D, did you do a winner? Uh, if I was to pick one, I like on just in terms of like additions, I would definitely say Florida. Yes. Um, I just like the little moves they made to sure up the front of their roster, picking up their picking up Purcell. Um, honestly, Kendall. I think if the Leafs were able to move Parento, I'd I'd have them up there as some of the winners, just obviously in a total opposite retro, uh, opposite uh, fashion. But uh, uh, you know, Parento picking up that injury what was it Saturday night really threw that plan off the rails uh maybe in hindsight not the best decision playing him while he's sore but you know that's just snl you got to hold at this point yeah and you know what like i mean the leafs definitely did a great job um, it's just funny because like you look at some of the ufas they were able to move and they weren't you know, able you... to move the one that can actually score yeah exactly yeah. so but, it, the one but that in a way he too... like literally sat and said there's no way parento is going to be a maple leaf next week but yeah you know, injuries happen that's sort of stuff they also i mean and then they kind of interviewed limarillo after and he was just like well we got to keep some bodies around but it was just like that's not really what you said before no yeah no it was definitely <laughs> just i think his stock took a hit and uh yeah they weren't able to get that second rounder for him after the parento's a guy that'll injury, probably scared. be back in a leafs uniform next year though too i would just, i would assume it he seems could. like seems like he likes it there i think he'd Somebody, one of those, they got to sign some guys. Maybe, but I mean, he's been semi-productive. Eh? You might try to, uh, you go, know, go somewhere, win a Stanley Cup in the next. Yeah, maybe get paid and not get paid, but at least maybe get a two or three year deal at this time. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of winners. Um, I'm surprised that neither one of you guys picked Chicago. Cause it seemed like that was everybody's huge too obvious. Yeah, I mean, they obviously made some good moves. I didn't pick them either. I picked the Flames. Um, kind of for the same reason that we, you might pick the, you might pick. The Maple Leafs. Uh, I thought the Flames got like just an absolute massive return yeah, for for a Russell. Ton. Um, I like I knew that yeah. they were going to get a big return, but I mean a, a second, an NHL ready defenseman, and then a, a first round prospect in Brent Pollock. It was a nice return for you know Russell. Then I think they ended up getting a a sixth for David Jones, which I mean a sixth is a sixth, but David Jones yeah. is David Jones. So um, I yeah. thought the Flames did really well. <laughs> Um, I, I agree with you, D. I, I really liked uh, what the Panthers did. Like they they have such a balance. Like like their top nine, every line yeah. is dangerous. Like I really like. I hate it as a Red Wings fan, but I really like what the Panthers did. Uh, you know, and I they took, and they took like, Jakob Kindle off our hands, which was an absolute yeah, like the greatest the, thing for ever. Just the way the trade market Plus. shook out, there wasn't a lot of high end talent, right? So I really liked the route that uh, the Panthers took. They went and got some low cost additions that, like I said, really added a lot of depth to their offense. Yeah, their their top nine is extremely deep, and they have still a good mm-hmm. fourth line too with a solid D and a good goaltending. So, um, we talked about the winners. Who do you guys think, uh, Beebs? We'll go back to you. Who was the deadline loser? Uh, for me, it's Boston. 
Um, for Boston, just kind of some weird things happened the deadline. One, they didn't move Louis Erickson, who I don't think is uh, going to be there next year. I think they could have got a decent haul for him, at least, you would have thought. Well, if you think Another... about what Arizona got back for Bodker, like, that was a pretty good return. Like yeah, They could have really... done something like that for Erickson and still brought in like an Alex Tangay who could have helped this year too. And then yeah, they didn't absolutely. move him Sorry, but go ahead. No, that's great. Um, but uh, as well as that, another weird thing, they put uh, Zach Ronaldo on waivers. And that's a guy they paid a third for in the offseason. So that's a third-round pick that they could have used to get a guy or to put towards their Stefaniak pickup or something like that. Mm-hmm. So kind of just a throwaway right there just for picking up guys like Stefaniak. Um, they got Stefaniak and John Michael Lyles. D, obviously, you're a huge fan of John Michael, Miles, Michael Lyles, as I am as well, as they've played on our – as he's played on our two great Honestly, his worst asset it, but... over the last five <laughs> years has been his contract. Yeah, and he's bringing it to Boston. So, uh, I don't know. Go. I just don't like what Boston did. No, I, so I had doesn't Boston. doesn't make a lot of sense. I had Boston as my loser, too. And I don't think Lyles is bad. Stepniak's obviously had, had a nice year. I can't believe it's his ninth NHL team already. It's absolutely nuts. Like, guy just gets dealt every Good year. on him, though. He just does well where yeah, he Yeah, he's been pretty he productive tries. for a journeyman, definitely. Yeah, it, but it's just crazy to think that, like, he got brought in as on, like, a pro tryout at the start of the year and then ended up getting dealt for quite a big haul. But I picked the Bruins too because they literally gave up a second a third a fourth a fifth and a prospect for Lyles and Stepniak I mean those are two productive players that is a shitload that's like a whole yeah. draft and a prospect like it's a big give it's a it's a lot just too much did you do one uh Dylan or do you- um the one thing I would say is obviously I think Vancouver not being able yeah. to deal him he was is pretty big and Verbata yeah but like it literally sounds there was just no interest in either of those players uh, it sounds like they had a, a conversation going on with Dallas earlier, and they ended up going with Russell over him. He was probably because of the contract, would be my guess. They apparently um, Dallas ended up calling back after they got Russell and said they wanted Ham Hughes too. But yeah, I guess but the, they, were they were saying that it wasn't just like point, not right? a good enough offer. Yeah, in a way, you yeah. almost kind of just like think that they should have just accepted literally anything anything yeah like in the lot in the dying minutes. But I mean, I guess you know Ham Hughes has made it known that he wants to kind of stay there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's a guy that can help, I, I guess, kind of jumpstart the rebuild next year if they resign him. So sure, but uh, yeah, they're they're going nowhere fast. I know Vancouver <laughs> fans are absolutely livid. Um, but we picked deadline winners and losers for teams. Let's just quickly pick who we uh, for from a player perspective. Uh, D, we'll start with you. Who do you think won the deadline as a player? Hmm, that's an interesting one. Um, honestly, I think Stemniak's went into a really good spot. I know we talked about the fact that Boston probably gave up a little too much for him. But going from the absolute wasteland in New Jersey to playing alongside Marshawn and Bergeron uh, in Boston, uh, I think he went into a really nice spot there. Yeah, and, and it's funny because like he was scoring in in Jersey with like not a huge surrounding cast. Now in Boston, no, playing that top nothing. line with Marshawn Bergeron, yeah. I mean, sixteen goals, twenty five assists in sixty three games with New Jersey, pretty good numbers. Uh, mm-hmm. So I mean. Things should should probably you know continue to trend in that direction on the top line in Boston. But uh, Beeps, how about you? Um, kind of a back end deal that kind of went under the radar. But Jamie McGinn going from Buffalo to uh, Anaheim for me. He's a guy who's kind of been tossed around this year. He hasn't played a whole lot. Uh, he's been he, he's a decent player though, and he he can fill a good third fourth line role. And he's going from an absolutely uh, terrible record wise team to a team that's trending so far upwards that they're yeah, looking better than Washington right now. So. <laughs> So, yeah, um, I think Jamie McGinn's just that guy. I think he's going into a spot where uh, it's, it's going to be low risk, um, and, I mean, he can show some rewards. So I think he's just going to a good team and uh, going from a loser to a to team that's looking like they could absolutely take the whole thing easily. Um, that's that. Yeah. he Like, I knew the Red Wings weren't going to make any moves, really, but he was kind of one of the guys that I wanted them to maybe go after because – he like he didn't have a high price tag and yeah he's just he's huge eh? he goes to the front of the net throws his body around he's, he's a I solid addition Colorado. For sure. he's good yeah um but i picked james reimer for basically the same reason he goes from kind of a black hole in toronto like nothing was happening there this year to san jose mm-hmm. who's obviously looking like they they're a potential playoff team look like they could be a you know they could fight you know in a playoff series or two in the west and uh reimer hasn't has the chance to Pushed Martin Jones for starts. Jones really hasn't had any pressure all year. Staylock has not uh, done anything. So Reimer could really push for some starts. Um, I know you said pre-show he has a little bit of playoff experience in that seven-game run they went there against Boston a couple years ago. Um, So for him to go from a team that has no chance of making the playoffs to a team that seems like they're pretty much locked into a playoff spot uh, is a nice nice move for Reimer. Uh, He's a good dude. I know everyone in Toronto loved him, so... I, th- I think that a l- there's going to be a lot of uh, Sharks fans in 
in Toronto this playoff. Come for come sure. April, I mean Polak. Especially if he's uh, stealing some games from So Yeah, and then uh, let's jump in real, real quickly. Who is the trade deadline loser from a player perspective, D? Uh, I think it's got to be Brooks Lake. Uh, you kind of pointed at it on Twitter the other day, but the guy spent his entire year in Washington. Some some good years, some bad years. Um, and now you're going to uh, a situation in Toronto after finally, you know, they're literally the like just give them the president's tro- trophy. Already. Yeah. No, um, yeah, he that sucks. Like I think I was he's like a twelve year vet, played his whole career there. Like and then, after the same year as Ovi, right? Or came in the same year as Ovi. Yeah, and then he just like all of a sudden, all of a sudden, like it finally looks like he's gonna have a chance to win a cup, and then just see you later. Like that's tough. Yeah, for it sure. It sucks. I, I and I know he was definitely light, well liked in the dressing room. It was definitely just a contract thing. Had to balance out the money. Um. So sucks, but you know, happy to have him in Toronto. That's the one thing that was so sure. crazy. Like, I don't think it's ever happened. Like, it's happened this year. The way Toronto went about the deadline, like they were literally taking on just the worst contracts. Yeah, like, just taking on absolute shit. Like, I was like, man, if I was the Red Wings right now, like I'd be just giving them Erickson and a prospect just to take that deal off our hands. Like, well, they, the thing is, they're not like taking really on term. themselves past this year. Yeah, exactly. They're and not taking um, on term. I mean, it gives you more flexibility in retaining less trades. You can. You know, kind of keep that on the table. Yeah, you just take uh, a, sh- a shit ass contract and take a, a bigger yeah. pick or a better one other prospect. obvious loser. I want to point out though is definitely Jonathan Drouin because that is yeah. an awkward situation going on in Tampa Bay. Super uh, awkward. Yeah. Kind of a what happens now, but I'd imagine he's going to hold out strong uh, to the draft at this point. I saw someone you know kind of point out that he could still be dealt. Um, just anyone involved in the trade wouldn't be able to play in the playoffs. No, yeah, which, exactly. Which would make sense, kinda, if you're talking about moving him obviously to a team that's looking for a rebuild. But uh, it it couldn't be that alluring for Tampa to make a deal and not be able to add anything that could help them on the playoff run this year. So, But they did say, I guess, like originally when we started talking about the whole Juwan thing, we were talking about how they would definitely want to get uh, a roster player back. Yeah. And then the closer we got so to that's the deadline, the now, it seems like Eisman was kind of almost looking for more you know, future assets. So it still could, I think, be a, a potential... I think it was a huge ass the whole time, obviously, which is, you know, yeah. good for Eisenman. It's not an easy position to be in, obviously. Everyone knows you got a guy who wants to be moved. But, uh, you know, I you got that kind of talent and that value. You can't just really sell low because the player wants out. No, so absolutely I respect not. what he did. Yeah, he no, it is legit. Doing what's best for the organization. Who's your loser, Biebs? Um, I had Brooks like as well, but... Um, yeah, I think it's I don't, obvious. Yeah, yeah, it sucks for sure. Poor Brooksy. Yeah. I don't really want to Uncle toot that Bruce. horn, though, but um, I would say Alex Stalock as well. Um, he was sent to Toronto, and then he got sent right down to the Marlies. I mean, the Marlies are great. but He's um, still going on a playoff run. Yeah, <laughs> he, it's an AHL playoff run, but uh, Actually, for, for a guy who was in a decent backup position. And, it didn't and to really elaborate that point, they basically through. called up the Marlies' like, top four skaters to play out <laughs> at least the next week or so. Yeah, they still got a, so. they still got a shutout in their first game, though, so... So pretty good team, pretty good AHL team for mm-hmm. the but one thing the about time. the Leafs though oh, yeah, too is like they, the, yeah the the oh, Leafs have literally like made or like one of the teams I can only think of this year that have like made moves to like literally better their AHL team like they want to win that <laughs> call they're so bad yeah I can't wait but, but like it's great like I mean the Grand Rapids Griffins did it a couple years ago and all those guys are playing for our team oh, now man. and like I think that like we talked about it even last week that's a huge like going on that playoff run getting used to like that type of playoff run even if, at that level and the experience is phenomenal but and doing it with guys you know you're potentially going to be doing exactly it the next level exactly too. Yeah, for sure. my playoff or sorry my deadline loser was dan ham use obviously we talked about how he didn't get dealt um yeah he kind of just came out of it looking like a dick looking like an ass because <laughs> everybody's but like just and it's not his fault like that's just the way kind of fans were all looking at it like he didn't want to wave his no trade clause to go to multiple teams he basically you know handcuffed to leave, Canucks man. and said I'll go to Dallas yeah. or Chicago um but then it's people the kind of forget situation exactly and people kind of forget about the whole family aspect of it right like his family's obviously pretty happy there and yeah he uh, signed a long-term deal to be there exactly but it's just it sucks like he's my loser just because of like all like the backlash he kind of got from fans and stuff just and it's really not his fault I mean they signed him to a, a no trade clause deal are, you know kind of fickle if you yeah. figure that out by now yeah <laughs> Yeah, we're watching the wrong sport for sure. But yeah, let's get into some more individual things now. Um, so there was not too many big name players traded at the deadline, but there was enough, uh, you know, enough moves to make some names become more fantasy relevant or less fantasy relevant than they were uh, prior to the trade. So we're just gonna kind of go through some of the bigger names and break them down real quick. 
Just basically, I'm going to throw a name at you guys, and I want you to tell me if you think their fantasy stock is rising or dropping based off of uh, the recent move. So uh, we're going to start in Chicago with Andrew Ladd. Obviously, Ladd goes from Winnipeg to Chicago. Uh, He's playing on the top line right now with Taves and Andrew Shaw. And then, obviously, I think Marion Hosa, once Hosa gets back, uh, Ladd's 85% owned in leagues. Uh, Beavs, we'll start with you. How do you think this uh, affects his value? Feeling hot, hot, hot. I think he's going up. Um, Andrew Ladd, he's in a great spot in Chicago. Um, Brian Little just went down to Winnipeg. So why not toss him on a great line in Chicago with Jonathan Tazen, as you said. Marion Hosa is going to be back in the very shortcoming. So Andrew Ladd, going up. D? Yeah, I agree. I mean, we talked about earlier in the year how productive Winni- that Winnipeg line has been for them the last few years. Um, but it's all falling the shit now. Uh, hmm. Little's got the uh, compressed vertebrae. Which sounds Ew. just awful. Hope sounds horrible. Almost as bad as Strite's early injury earlier in the year. <laughs> the pubic, oh, the pubic plate, plate, plate attachment. attachment. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, but yeah, like literally, you can't really ask for much better of a situation. You're going to Chicago. I guess he's playing with Kane, but <laughs> yeah. For now, uh, chilling alongside Taves and Hosa isn't bad at all. I, I, I don't think it hurt his fantasy value. No, definitely not. And uh, I know I tweeted out the other day. Uh, Lad, I mean, he averaged 27 goals per 82 games in his yeah, five years with Winnipeg. Most productive year. Yeah, and so his, and his value is down. Like he had a he had a little bit of a rough start. He had been picking it up mm-hmm. recently in Winnipeg, um, but I wouldn't be. I mean, if you look at the numbers numbers wise, 27 over 82 in Winnipeg for five years, I wouldn't be shocked to see him pot seven to ten goals here down the stretch with Chicago, yep. especially on that top line. Uh, another yep. big fish that that moved. Uh, he went from playing along his brother Jordan to playing beside his brother Mark. Uh, Eric Stahl went from Carolina to the Rangers. D, we'll start with you on this one. How do you think this affects his uh, trade value or his fantasy value? Actually, before I go to you, I'll mention that he played, he made his his Rangers debut on the third line with Kevin Hayes and Oscar Lindbergh. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, obviously, there's a lot more offensive talent and depth on the Rangers than the Hurricanes at this point. Um, but if he's staying on the third line, obviously, it's not going to help him too much. I think he's definitely worth having on your squad if he moves up and gets some more power play time which i only imagine he will you don't give up the assets that they did to get him for three months to play him on your third line so i imagine he's gonna move up eventually it's probably just getting him situated um but until that happens you know if he's on the third line he's he's useless yeah like he's he is only 71 percent owned so i think he'll definitely be available in some leagues and he's worth an ad if he is available in your league i think the one thing though it's kind of worth noting is that even playing on the third line in new york he's almost playing with better talent than he was on the first line in carolina right but the opportunity is just not there yeah he still played i think 15 minutes which obviously is probably which is obviously down from what he was doing in carolina it's but it's his first game he should obviously see an increase yeah, um, that's I mean, I'm like, especially actually. when you look at their lines right now, they have like Victor Stahlberg playing in the top six right now. So, I mean, that seems just like a spot that it will eventually be filled by mm-hmm. Rick Nash when he gets back. But then Stahl should move in there as well. Um, I guess, though, like the one thing to point out is that his it seems like his overall just like talent level has dropped off pretty significantly over the years. So he's obviously not the player that he used to be. He's but, older. Yeah. Yeah. His feet aren't moving like they used to. That's for sure. No. It's funny too when you, like I was I saw when he got traded um, the other day they did like some highlights of him and stuff, and the one was just like him as like the all star captain a couple years ago like snubbing his yeah. brother in the draft and it was just like man like a couple years ago this guy was literally the all star captain which doesn't isn't like big big deal but like that's how good still he a was deal, though, yeah and, it was in Carolina but yeah yeah ex- yeah but was he was de- still he was like, definitely yeah he was definitely an all star like there's no doubt about and then now it. he's Team just Canada twice off. yeah he's fallen off big time he's but... probably a trade target then too the guy's been on yeah the market yeah for sure it seems like he's been on the market forever finally got that yeah but um Beebs, do you have anything to add on stall no no I was gonna say I don't I don't really need to uh recrank that horn um <laughs> I feel like you yeah. might have a little more to say about this next guy, uh, Mikel Bodker, who's 30% yeah, owned. I'm a little more excited for that. Uh, he went from, obviously, like we said, Arizona to Colorado. So, Biebs, uh what do you think Bodker's value is like now in Colorado? Um, I think point-wise, I could see it. Uh, I, I don't know. He was doing pretty well out in Arizona. I could see him just keeping up what he was. He was on pace for, I'd say, 50 or 60 at that point. I'm pretty sure it was. So, um, he's going to do well in Colorado. He's playing with Landis Cog and... Uh, McKinnon. McKinnon, sorry. I was thinking, I, I, I read on Twitter, Twitter somewhere, if they put him, McKinnon, and Duchesne together, it'd be the fastest line ever. Yeah, but, um, absolutely. But, <laughs> but either way, it's still an extremely fast line, and it, as if he's on the power play out in Colorado, it just adds to that an already pretty uh, 
pretty it hasn't been extremely effective but it is a good very talented power play with a lot of uh firepower on it so he could definitely be good out there i really like the trade it just adds another top six forward and it's a team that can uh go off offensively and if they do go on a run which i need them to um, <laughs> then uh then he could definitely be trending really far upwards yeah it's it's like the one thing that i think helps him big time is the fact that he's going to be playing with a guy like mckinnon um like, Bodker's super fast, McKinnon's crazy fast, and those two should play pretty well, you know, beside each other as long as they start kind of clicking right away. Uh, this, I think this is a better trade for, I guess, Colorado than it is for, like, Bodker as an individual. Yeah. Uh, I think Bodker fits a lot better alongside uh, McKinnon just because of the speed factor than, than somebody like an aging Alex Tangay did. Uh, but <laughs> Extremely aging. Yeah. Uh, that's Alex another Tangay. one of those guys who's a bit of a... He's a bit of a trade deadline loser. I mean, did he play I in the alumni of, game? I thought about it, but <laughs> yeah, he might as well have. Eh? <laughs> it's crazy. Patty Wah just goes into the dressing room and starts yelling at him, and it's like, Patty, we played together ten years ago. Like, chill, bro. Yeah, no kidding. How does that? How does that work? I don't know. I guess it it's doesn't. just the player coach thing that you got to get used to. Do you have anything to add on uh, Bodker there, Dylan? Uh, not really. I, I mean, obviously, I think a lot of his fantasy value, if not all of it, derives from the power play. So if he's on the first unit in Colorado, I think, you know, he'll be fine to just keep doing what he's doing. He'll probably still be a fringe ad in most leagues. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of people in the analytics community in hockey the last few days have been quick to point out, too, he's not the best possession player. Um, but he does have, you know, elite fits scoring and finishing ability. <laughs> yeah, that's just literally what I was going to say. You can make an argument it fits what Colorado's all about. <laughs> you know, limiting, <laughs> so I true. guess, yeah. Yeah, trying to capitalize what... on your chances, keep them to the outside, and you know work the counter game, which obviously he's got the speed for. So we'll see. It's not you know the most reliable system in my point of view, but Colorado's had success, so who can really say? Yeah, it's it is funny because like that's that was the big debate that on trade deadline day it was like oh yeah like this guy like the analyst community just hates this guy and then they they it's kept like, well they, not they, really like, like have you ever seen like the like the they put his hero chart alongside like Tangay's and Tangay was like a yeah. far better possession player and like well they just got Tangay plus but yeah, like but he's, he's just totally different with player, it dude. it's like it's obviously like possession is more reliable and it's more consistent and sustainable but to a degree you need that talent i mean we we're seeing it in toronto this year they're playing good systemized hockey they're coming out on the positive side of possessions in a lot of games but they just don't have the finishing ability hey, to exactly. make it happen so and Bodker, yeah, definitely the speed game fits in right with exactly what Colorado wants oh, to yeah. do. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. We talked about this guy quite a bit already, so let's just real quickly, is his trade value, or is his fantasy value up or down? Lee Stempniak now uh, in Boston. Biebs? Uh, I, I have to say it's down, just because of how high it was. Um, it was just absolutely up there for, like, who would have thought people would have Lee Stepniak in an eight-team standard league. But um, but that that's kind of where he was. He deserved to be there for much of the year. So I think it's going down, but at the same time, he's playing with a very, very good line. He can have success there. Yeah. So I could see it sticking there, but um, it's just so hard to say Lee Stepniak's going to do better than he is because this is just ridiculous. <laughs> I, th- I think if he stays on the top line, um, I could see his – uh, potentially going up. He shot at a high percent this year, so it's really tough to say that how that's going to continue. Oh, yeah, it's a great shot. But I mean, if he's on, if he's definitely on a better possession team now, and definitely on one of the better possession lines in the league when you're playing next to Bergeron and I guess Marshawn. But um, so I, I think there's some room to grow here for Stemniak. But like Beebs was talking about, he's been really good. I'm, I, I don't want to say it's luck, but it's it's come off stuff that's kind of tough to uh, recreate and the amount of goals he's kind of scored and the limited opportunities. So we'll see. Um, but I, I, I think there's potential for Stemniak in Boston. Yeah, I, I I guess the one thing to say, like when we're talking about people getting traded, is is this, are we going to see a spike in production? And I think like what we've seen from yeah. him all season long was the spike. I think what now... Yeah, he's look, been overproducing. Yeah, definitely. exactly. So what we can maybe look for now, I don't think his fantasy value can get any higher than it is. That's um, but it, yeah. but I think he can. This is going to help him. Chance of sustaining it. Exactly. Yeah, he can help. It, like playing with Bergeron and Marshawn is only going to help him maintain the pace. Yes. Uh, like you pointed out, he he did have he does have a thirteen point three percent shooting percentage this year, which is pretty uh, remarkable. Yeah. But it's also worth pointing out that in years where he's been dealt, like last year, he went from the Rangers to Winnipeg. He managed to shoot at twenty percent after the deadline. He do talk ha- about the year he got traded from the Leafs. He was like, yeah, and then yeah, I was just gonna say, and then he got traded from in, 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 he got traded from the Leafs to Phoenix, 
He went and scored 14 goals in 18 games. He He shot at 29.2% that year. He had had so bad on the Leafs all year. Yeah, he had 14 goals. They were a bad team, but. Yeah, 14 goals in 62 games with the Leafs, then got traded to Phoenix and had 14 goals in 18 games. So literally matched his production. Um, So, I mean, he has in the past been a pretty nice deadline pickup. So maybe if he can continue to do what he's done in in, in the past, he might actually see his production (laughs) increase, which would be pretty miraculous. Uh, But let's go now back to a couple. We had these guys as deadline winners. Uh, Teddy Purcell and Hoodler both got picked up by the Panthers. Uh, We all kind of said that this makes their top nine extremely deep. Um, do you guys think that either one of these guys' fantasy values on the rise, on the decline? How, how do you, what do you guys think here? I think Hoodler's production Hoodler was up. kind of on the up. Yeah, but yeah. I, I think like his thing is kind of, you know, he's been having his own troubles this year. It seemed like he was like starting to come out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, play, if he's on the top line, I, I really think Hoodler's still worth being rostered at this point. Uh, Purcell, I don't. I I like the ad from you know a hockey perspective. Yeah, that's he's gonna, exactly what I was. He's definitely say. gonna be like you know seventh, eighth, ninth forward on that team. But he's nice to have because you know he can fill up. He can play his power play in a pinch. He can play on the top line if you need him to. But you know he's just not gonna get as much opportunity as I think Hilder will down the stretch. Yeah, that's the one thing that I always point out with with Purcell. This is a lot better hockey deal. It doesn't really make him a, an immediate fantasy pickup or no, anything. He's all, gonna be yeah. playing on the third line with with Bukestad. And it just helps yeah. their scoring depth. But Jugstad. Uh, Jugstad. And then, as far as Hoodler goes, I think it helps Hoodler in the short term. But I ultimately see Hoodler going back down, playing on the third line with Bukestad and Purcell once Huberto returns. Yeah. Huberto will probably go back up next to Barkov. And then that Yoke and Trocek, Smith line's been awesome all year, so they'll yeah. stick together. But, I mean, yeah, if you look at it from a hockey standpoint, I mean, Purcell, Bukestad, Hoodler, that's a pretty dirty third line uh especially yeah, going into the death, playoffs like so, said, so. Um, but i mean if Hood, if hoodler can't couldn't really score when next to monahan and goodrow like he could last year i don't really see this helping uh his value all that much um but the next guy we got one more forward to get to really quickly um and that's christopher steeg who goes Chris, from Chris. carolina to la he's only 12 percent owned uh d i'll start with you on this one um you know, I, I don't know. Who who's he playing with right now, bro? Uh he was skating today with uh Jeff Carter and Tanner Pearson. Yeah. Um I, I don't know, man. I'm not the biggest for Steve fan. I definitely don't think there's a lot of fantasy relevance here. I mean going to a better team obviously helps, but I think it was more of a depth move for the Kings. Yeah, I think like I mean, if there's one player that I think that could like potentially receive like a drastic boost in production, it could be Versteeg just because of where he is coming from and where he's going to yeah Uh, playing with carter should help but carter hasn't been the hottest player ever either um but this helps the kings quite a bit because it allows him to play on the second line with carter and then to foley who's played really well and in limited minutes with kopitar gets to go to the first line and then dustin brown gets to go down into a more uh you know into a third line role which is something he's you know his game's more somewhere he needs yeah yeah, it suits his game a lot better um but let's get to a couple defensemen who just like really have not been fantasy relevant at all this year. And I just want to know if you guys think that they will return to fantasy relevancy at all. Uh, first is obviously we talked about him earlier, Chris Russell going from Calgary to Dallas. Biebs? Uh, um, I mean, uh, it's Chris Russell. Uh, uh, I could see him being a fringe player. If he starts getting the, the situations where he's getting those, those secondary assists and stuff, maybe he's worth a pickup. If you do block shots, could really be worth yeah. That's that, see, that's what I was gonna say. If you're gonna leave but, that block um, shots, then maybe. But like they, he, re- that, he really yeah. got added for for defensive purposes. Yeah, I mean, they've yeah. got the Klingberg, the Goligoski, the Demers that can do the offensive side of the lifting. Uh, in terms of defense, that's more of Russell's uh, Russell's game. Blocking shots. Yeah, Some, I guess absolutely. I was I was watching the Wings play the Stars the other night, and uh, I didn't really notice it, but apparently, like the Stars are like in the bottom fifth of like block shots in the NHL, so. Uh, adding a, a guy like a Russell pickup, might be a, yeah. a nice pickup for them. And then the other guy is Justin Schultz, who we've obviously... Uh, I, I don't remember who said it, but I was literally dying laughing on uh, on trade deadline day. Somebody on the TSN panel there, I know there's like 30 reporters, but uh, <laughs> one of them was literally called Justin Schultz out and said he's been the worst player in the league this year. Oh my God. Yeah, he's like, he's been the worst player in the NHL this year. How season. can you even say that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't know, no, but like, I, that's such a ridiculous overstatement. I'm trying to think of who could, who's worse. Dude, no one can possibly make that statement. Brandon Bullock's no for sure worse. Game. Like, you know what I mean? There's no way. No. 
Brandon Bullock's for sure worse anyway. So now Justin Schultz is in Pittsburgh. Next year's All Star game. Mike yeah. Brown's still and they're gonna make him. a movie about yeah. him. <laughs> no, yeah, Schultz is like I don't think like like the way I looked at this trade was the Poor same. Guy. The same reason I kind of wanted Detroit to pick him up was because he's more of a project at this point. He's he's a protected asset because he's an RFA at the end of the year. I don't see him making much of an impact with, with the Penguins this season. Um, Future though. Yeah, like I think this is somebody who still has a lot of potential, and the move can you know hopefully help him. But I mean, I hope I hope to God that it, he doesn't turn it around because he went to like the worst team possible. Yeah, like I don't want to see Pittsburgh look like geniuses on this side of the things. But yeah, and that could absolutely happen. Um, and then the other guy, the last guy that I had is trying to talk about here was James Reimer, but I think we pretty much uh, I'm pretty much think we beat him to death already, right? Like he's he's got potential to potentially start for. Uh, for the Sharks down the stretch, if, if Jones falters, uh, do you guys have any last minute statements to add about him? Uh, no. I was going to talk about him more later on in the show, actually. So okay, perfect, sounds good. Well, let's get to uh, the Blue Stones uh, and the someone break. wants a break. We'll get to the Blue Stones and the break, and uh, yeah, after the break, we'll obviously get to the injury report. Uh, we've got a little strength of schedule breakdown, and then just a couple guys that you should, uh, you know, basically time to just cut bait with them, and a couple guys to maybe pick up down the stretch uh, to help make you uh, make a championship push. So. Anyways, without any further ado, let's get to the Blue Stones. Hey! Off podcast. I'm your co-host Dylan Berthiam. Hope you enjoyed that sweet lick from the Blue Stones. As always, I'm now going to flip it over to my host Brock with the injury report. Take it away, Brock. I'm so happy, like still, that we can just get through you saying that sweet, sweet lick, and we don't have to like just freak out about it. <laughs> yeah, now it's like, oh, I said lick again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was uh... the worst. Like I had literally had no idea what that was, and we just lost our minds. Uh, but injury report: Craig Anderson's day to day with a lower body injury. He grew up. Um, yeah, like it looked really bad when it happened, but they said it's not nearly as bad as expected. So he's day to day. Look for Andrew Hammond to start on uh, Thursday. Jonas Brodeen, who's been out, I think, three weeks with a uh, broken foot, uh, is expected to return to the lineup on Thursday. Uh, Jakub Voracek will miss approximately two weeks with a foot injury. Uh, he, was seen, he was seen walking around in a boot. Uh, so Why couldn't he miss two weeks early in the year when he was doing nothing? Yeah, yeah. and then get catch his fire, and then bye. Right? Yeah. Right? Hockey, man. Weird. Kyle Turris, out indefinitely with a high ankle sprain. Um, they're shutting him down for the foreseeable future. We shut it down. Um, he literally had no points in his last 15 games. He's had kind of a lingering issue and then it got rolled up again and yeah. So he could be done for the year. Uh, he wasn't doing anything either. So yeah, literally pointless in 15. So you're, so literally you're like, thank you, Kyle Terry's for giving a reason. Yeah. So the complete opposite of what D just said. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Mika Zibanejad (laughs) moves into the top line role and they also Scott signed Scott Gomez to a one year deal to help finish out the year there in Ottawa. Um, a lot of people, fresh legs, a lot of people on Twitter kind of were like, that's so stupid. Why would they do that? Instead of just bringing up a young kid and then somebody from St. Louis, um, kind of inter- intervened and said, look, this guy was literally the first guy on the ice every day, like helping the kids out. Like this is a good signing just to help their kids out. So I guess from a behind the scenes standpoint, it's a nice signing. Uh, and I guess it gives a good guy another chance. He's a decent player. Like he did well last year. Oh yeah. You know? he, he's not terrible, but I mean, it is in, in a way, he's not on New Jersey like, again, just with the way their roster shaped it, up. But. Yeah. And like in a way, like imagine, <laughs> imagine a team like the Leafs did something like that right now, instead of like bringing up their young kids, like fans probably get pretty annoyed by that kind of stuff, but whatever. Hey, I mean, that's what Brooksy's for. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, but moving on, John Carlson out three to four weeks of lower body injury. Uh, he LBI. was absolutely on fire at the start of the year. Yeah, and then when, when he kind of returned, he didn't have near the production that he did at the start of the season. So uh, he's out three to four weeks. That pushes Matt Niskanen into uh, you know top line, top Niskanen. top pairing minutes and top power play minutes. So Niskanen, if he's available in the new league, uh, makes for a solid pickup. Um, yep. JVR, uh, this was kind of announced last couple weeks ago, but we didn't do a podcast with injury report last week so jvr is at the rest of the season with his foot injury uh kind of took a step backward so they decided to shut him down for the year uh whether you call that tanking or not uh that's up to you uh brian little out for the year as well with <laughs> a, with a final grievance bro with, with no no i don't i don't think <laughs> i don't personally think like that they did it on purpose why so, would you rush no, a guy back no right? exactly um so Probably just like restubbed his toe on purpose. He looked at their lineup and it was just like boom, just rocked Broke off the nearest door. Ow! But a couple more here. We got Brian Little also out for the year with a fracture of the T6 vertebrae. Um, Sucks, and then Sergey. Get well soon, man. Yeah, he's yeah. been a fantasy stud for me for years. Yeah, he's great. Uh, and Sergey Bobrovsky, who's named the team Russia today, he was took took part in full Blue Jackets practice today. Still no real timetable for his nice. return. The band-aid's um, back. Yeah, so, I mean, it's only a matter of time before he finds himself back in IR, but I know a lot. And who knows what's going to happen. Because well, why not get excited for him to come who was back, he? right? Was he Yaskolainen or what's huh? the GM's name? Corp- is that right? Corp- Corpusalo? Oh, no, the, no, the GM. <laughs> yeah, you're, oh. you're right. Corpusalo is the goaltender. Yeah, killing it. Right Yaskolainen? Yeah. Is that the GM? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was him who said uh, when they talked about Borowski that his groin, like they were literally ensured it was 100 percent healed last time, mm-hmm. and then it went again just like that. So it happens. Man. Those, gro- those groins when you're a goaltender, not easy. But uh, before we get into some fantasy hockey add and drops, um, Matt Sitkoff from NHL Network uh, has been tweeting this out um, pretty much with some regularity leading up to the trade deadline. Um, and it's just the strength of schedule for the remaining, te- like the remainder of the season. Um, he only covers though the teams that have like a legitimate chance to make the playoffs. Um, so teams like Toronto, Buffalo, uh, Columbus—they're not even included in this uh, because I guess like who cares? <laughs> yeah, um, why so- waste your time? Exactly. Man. So uh, I thought I would just kind of mention it on the show because this could help you uh, if you're looking for guys to pick up or maybe look at uh, to trade for a goalie here before the fantasy trade deadline. You might want to target a guy with a little bit easier schedule and trade a guy away with a tougher schedule. So um, the, the teams that are in a playoff race that with the, the top five teams, the easiest strength of schedule going uh, forward here. First is the Panthers who currently sit first in the Atlantic. Second is the San Jose Sharks who are third in the Pacific. Third is the Detroit Red Wings who are holding down the first wild card in the East uh, fourth is the Minnesota Wild, who have the second wild card spot in the West, and fifth is the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are second in the Atlantic right now. Um, so it's kind of crazy if you look at it. I mean, from my perspective as a Red Wings fan, Florida, Detroit, and Tampa Bay all fighting for a playoff spot in that Atlantic. All have extremely easy schedules um, going forward. All five of those teams have strength of schedule win percentages under 500 They're probably all playing the leafs like three times yeah detroit's got detroit's got one for sure i'm feeling the exact same thing with minnesota and san jose in there bro. yeah you're exactly um but <sighs> i know it was weird because like when i was doing Sick. this when i was looking at this i really expected the the guys with the toughest schedule to be like the teams in the central because they'd be playing each other down the stretch but that's not how it uh worked out at all um the team with the toughest schedule for the remainder of the season is the philadelphia flyers who currently sit fifth in the Metro, just outside of the wild, or yeah, out of the wild card in the East. With um, no Jakob Burachek. Yeah, second is also in Pennsylvania, the Penguins, who are currently holding down the second wild card in the East. Um, third is the Boston Bruins, who are third in the Atlantic. Fourth is the only Central team on this list, the Blues, who are third in the Central and really kind of have been taking a little bit of a dive since Brian Elliott went down. Uh, a lot of people kind of expected Jake Allen to just climb back in there and regain his form from earlier in the season, but he's he's had a tough go since coming back. And then fifth is New Jersey, who are surprisingly still in a playoff hunt, um, despite being seventh in the Metro division right now. They have the fifth toughest schedule going forward. So um, uh, Jersey. whether or not you really care about strength of schedule or not, um, or whether or not this will affect maybe add and drops or, or some trades before the deadline, I know in a couple of my leagues the trade deadline is this Thursday, which is yeah, tomorrow. So that's um, if, if, if that helps you make a move tomorrow, um, awesome. If not... 
Sorry, I just wasted five minutes of your life. But uh, let's move on to add and drops. This is a really crucial part of the season, obviously. Playoff time, a couple weeks before fantasy playoffs. Um, so a lot of people, especially people that aren't the greatest fantasy hockey minds, usually tend to get hung up on big names and have a hard time you know, cutting them when their production falls off and adding players that are less known whose production is on on the rise. So we're here to tell you the guys that production's dropping off that are big name guys that you can cut and add some other guys that are going to help you make that playoff push or that championship run. So D, we'll start with you. Um, who are you getting ready to cut bait with right now? I am giving the snips to Nicholas Felino of the Bye Nick. Captain, right? Bye Nick. That guy's taking so yep. much heat on this podcast. That is fine. I want Deservedly to so heat. Yeah, but he's uh, the only reason I'm still talking about him is because for this segment, he's still sitting at about 60% owned in mm-hmm. Yahoo, which is too high. Ridiculous. Sorry to say, Nick. Uh, obviously, we talked about this a lot at the beginning of the year. It seemed like everything went right for him last year. Played alongside Johansson. Obviously, was his most common linemate. And to put it in perspective how he might be missing him, Felino scored nine goals at even strength at even strength last year when he was on the ice with Johansson, and he's got nine total in all situations so far this year. Um, <laughs> so, that's so brutal. Yeah, that's yeah. bad. Miss you, Ryan. But uh, I mean, straight up, Felino just hasn't been that effective on his own either. He had a fairly high PDO last year, one hundred two point three. Um, probably had something to do with it. Also, shooting percentage was around fifteen. It's closer to nine in his career. Um, What's like he got this said, year? Called it from a mile away. It wasn't a tough regression regression to spot uh despite the hat trick the other night that i know we it's had to say everyone's hopes got flying back up. yeah to me that just kind of inflates what's been a terrible year for him i think the time is now to cut him loose pick up someone on a better squad with maybe more opportunity down the stretch which we'll get to in a minute Stahl, stepniak yeah i like i would rather have stepniak on my team than this point oh we 100%. me and d were in a league where a guy dropped nick felino the day of the hat trick we just like we looked at the transaction thing and we're like man one more day of putting up with it like that's and it was a keeper league so he was for sure yeah napa too right it was a 4.9 yeah he was for sure kept too so it's just like oh we we just feel bad for you like you put up with it and then you just get like (laughs) ultimately shit on like an hour before increases his goal production by 33 percent sorry guy no 50 percent numbers man Speaking of hat tricks, uh, I'm in a I'm in a keep, like not a keeper league, but it's a redraft league, but it's a weekly league. And we what we do is the playoffs like started last week, and each playoff matchup is like two weeks long, so it makes the playoffs like a little bit more intense. But it's you kind of cool, yeah. But you can ch- you can change your lineup like after, after the like week the first one. after the first week. So in the first week, I had um, what's his name in there, um, Tarasenko, who did pretty good. And I had Patrick Hornquist on my bench, but then this week the uh, oh, the Penguins shockingly have five games this week, which is like unheard of. Damn! And the Blues only have two, so I put Hornquist in Monday at like six o'clock, and then he scored a hat trick against the uh, the Coyotes, and then he scored again last night. And then in that league, like game winners are are like extra points, and you got the game winner and a hat trick, so you got like ridiculous. <laughs> I think it was like nine or ten points, which is like a ton in that league. How is, awesome, dude. How is Anyone Pittsburgh who kept getting the faith in Hornquist is reaping benefits right now. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I held on to him all year. I was just like, oh, what do I do? What do I do with this guy? And I held on and just kind of – he sat on my bench all year, and then I put him in week two of the round one, and I just – he went off. I know. I had him in one league where he was just, like, on the edge of being dropped, but I just oh, could never all do year. it because, like, because he was that edge guy, and thank God I didn't because yeah. this week feels nice. Yep, absolutely. It sucked, though, in that same league. Like, all year, all preseason, all I did was pump uh, – Evgeny Kuznetsov is like a huge sleeper and then I drafted him but then I needed to like two of my defensemen got hurt like week one so I had to pick up a defenseman and like the only, I didn't want to drop Larkin because I'm too no. loyal of a Red Wing fan so I dropped, dropped Kuznetsov oh, but Brock. like in that league if, you, if you, you like drop him you can like pick him up in the middle of the week and like drop the guy on your team and it doesn't go through until the next week right because it's uh like weekly so I was like, oh, nobody even knows who this guy is yet. Like, it's week one. So I put in a claim, and then somebody claimed it right in front of me. I was like, oh, oh son bro. of a bitch. But it didn't oh. matter. I still finished I still finished first place. I had Panarin in the lineup, too. So it's not. it wasn't too big of a deal. I was always a little overcome uh, that. But I would have ran away with the league if not for that. But that's yeah. enough about my fantasy leagues. That's wanted, hubris, boys. I just wanted yeah. you want to avoid in fantasy puck. Yeah. That's even the... Even it's the, better not to get your favorite. You don't avoid that in life, but fantasy puck, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, that's <laughs> that's, that's enough about hat tricks and uh, and yeah, because we're talking drops. about people you want to drop. 
Yeah. Don't drop guys with hat tricks and don't drop Evgeny Kuznetsov. Well, unless it's Nick Foligno. Yeah, you can drop him. Beebs, who are you dropping right now? A uh, guy who hasn't scored a hat trick in a long time, and it felt great to finally put a Red Wing on Pavel blast. Datsuk. Pavel Datsuk? Watch He's it. never scored one. Yeah, it's crazy. Really? That's mm-hmm. nuts. Yeah. But no, not him. Uh, Gustav Nyquist. Um, <laughs> feel, like, as mentioned, feels good to put a Red Get Wing on, on the blast, bus, finally. Gus. Gus, has been, uh, Gus has been getting a lot of ice lately. Um, last night he played, or actually two nights ago, sorry. He, uh, he only played 12 minutes, and, uh, and his ice time's kind of been in that area recently. He only has 34 goal, or thirty four points on the year. That's total regression. Um, I actually read today, Brock, you, you put out a nice uh, article with Wings Nation. I mean, I try not to read much about the Wings because... I appreciate you supporting the kid, though. But I, I did I did actually read it, and it mentioned uh, mentioned that Gus Nyquist is just... He's, he's on pace to do nowhere close to what was expected this year. No, he's barely um, on Tatar's... pace to, make, to score 19 goals after scoring, like, 28 and 27 two years prior. It's just brilliant. Yeah, and his his big line mate, who it kind of depends on a lot, Thomas Tatar, you even mentioned uh, he, he last year he put up 29, I'm pretty sure, and this year he's on pace for 22. Yeah. So, again, um, two guys kind of regressing together. Other big names are stepping up. It seems like Larkin's taking the opportunities. We saw, um, I don't really know how to say this guy's name. Athanasiu. Athanasiu. Yeah. We saw a b- absolute beauty on the weekend from him. He looks like he could step into a bigger role and start taking some ice if if uh, Gus and uh, Tommy Tates don't step up Tommy their Tommy Tates. So. <laughs> no, so. I it's crazy. Tatar the other day only played like nine minutes. Like they're finally starting to get fed up with him. And I mean, as a wingspan, I mean, yeah, uh, I would be definitely thinking about cutting bait with Nyquist. I mean, he played 18 minutes the other night with uh, Zetterberg and Datsuk, and then we thought maybe okay, this might be the return of Nyquist. And then the next game, he was back on the second line there, and it, like they look okay. They yeah. make a he lot does of have a look, triple position eligibility yeah. too, which is they make stupid tough. ass mistakes. Like as a like from a fantasy perspective, like they aren't scoring. So like definitely, then as like a just a team fan, they're just so dumb sometimes. It's like okay, that's enough out of you. Uh, but I'm dropping Patrick Marlowe. Uh, he's 79 percent owned, which kind of baffles me. He's really not had a good year. He did start heating up, uh, kind of towards the All Star break and then after the All Star break. And then they finally, the Sharks must be listening to the podcast. They finally listened yep. to us and put Couture with Marlowe on the second line. And even though Couture's been heating up big time, Marlowe really hasn't done much. Uh, he's only got one goal in his last nine games, which just is not the the type of production that you can really uh, hope for when you're trying to make a playoff push or you're going into the playoffs. Uh, even on a quality San Jose team, he's a minus 14 on the year. Uh, I just... The way I look at it is like you can't let a guy, the name Marlowe, weigh your fantasy team down in the playoffs here. Uh, he's just a guy that at seventy nine percent owned. Just I don't know. I don't. I don't really understand. I mean, he's thirty eight points in sixty two games. Isn't terrible. Um, but when you look at the waiver wire, there are better options available. Um, speaking of one of those options, D, who do you got picking up? Uh, I'm looking in goal, and uh, because I think you know a lot of teams heading into the playoffs, there's been some injuries like we've been talking about, a lot of unsurety. And if that's a word, Punch. In, uh, in... <laughs> uncertainty. <laughs> yeah, there it is. It's long. It's been a long day, guys. <laughs> Unsurety. <laughs> Unsurety. We'll start it. That's what happens when you try to. Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, so, but we talked about him earlier in the show a lot. Obviously, I'm going. I'm just going to hit on Reimer again, really quick. Um, definitely a good flyer ad if you need some help in net and you're looking to potentially strike gold. I think he's got the most potential on the waiver wire as a goalie right now. Um, and if you're a Jones owner, I think this is almost like a must pick. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Spot. Yeah. Um, so I, straight up, like, I know, just going to touch on it again real quick. You don't move the assets the Sharks moved for a UFA goalie to have him play three games down the stretch as your backup. He's going to get some time to play. And, you know, he's going to get an opportunity to prove himself. And they're obviously not the, as confident as they could be in Martin Jones or else they wouldn't make this deal. Um, zero playoff experience there. Like we said, Reimer's only got one series off his belt. But... As far as a, a single playoff series go, you probably couldn't take away any more experience from it. Oh, yeah, that was a roller coaster ride for sure. Yeah. Hashtag but, Sports so Illustrated. I think, yeah, there you go. I think Reimer's definitely in a spot where if he performs well, you could see a decent amount of starts behind a solid team, and you just don't find that on the waiver wire this deep in the regular season. So, yeah. That's why. No, I think that's definitely a good move, especially if you're a Jones owner. I was going to say that. Um, the only other guys I can really think of, um, I, again, I mentioned Hammond earlier. He's still not a great addition, but uh, he'd be available in deeper leagues that maybe Reimer's not available in. Um, and then in more shallow leagues, somebody like Michael Newverth would be somebody to look at as well. He's been starting quite a bit lately. Um, and the Flyers are yeah. okay. Um, but, I, you know, Reimer, especially 
Uh, if you if you are adding him as like a third or fourth goalie, kind of just taking a flyer yeah. on him, hoping he steals starts, exactly. he's definitely a nice pickup for sure. And uh, and even in a daily league, when you know he, a spot start here and there, totally worth it. Uh, yep. But Beeb, who are you looking at, buddy? Um, I've kind of went after this guy before, but this was before uh, his team's top center went down, and this is uh, Mika Zabinijad out in uh, Ottawa right now. The other night, I don't know. If Mika's you, been a bad. If, if, you, if you, <laughs> what? He really has, though. He really hasn't uh, turned out the way they kind of expected. But I think he's he's slowly this year. He's getting there. I, yeah, and I got hopes for him. To be honest, I don't know if you guys saw the other night, but he scored three goals in like two minutes and yeah, forty eight seconds nuts. or something yeah. like that, which is absolutely ridiculous. Nutty. You have to be a little bit talented to do that. Or your name's Sam Gagne, but. Um, <laughs> you don't throw, think he's a little talent? That's no, the most backhanded compliment ever. I'm saying Sam Gagne threw that like nine point game up. Yeah, yeah I know, of, but then yeah. you just excluded him from having a little bit of talent. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, uh, <laughs> no talent. No, no talent. But either way, um, Zimanejad is now. He's kind of he's got to play a bigger role out there if they want to push towards the playoffs. And without Kyle Turris in Ottawa, they need a big centerman. Scott Gomez. Scott Gomez. Right. Yeah. No, but yeah, not, and yeah. I'm, another thing to add to Zabinjad is he played um, 25 minutes last night. Yeah, way. and if you if you um, Bruce Garriott is uh, one of the bigger Senators reporters, and he does stuff for TSN time to time, and he was on Trade Center the other day, and yeah. he was the same thing. He's like, you, sometimes you watch games, and he, he shows flashes of just brilliance. And then other times he just disappears. Like the other day, he scores three goals in two minutes. Like he yeah, he's talented, but he just he just can't seem to put it all together. Um, before, since we're talking about the Senators too, I just want to add, like we called out how Fanouf should see uh, some improved production, and I just, I don't know where his numbers came up from on my screen, but seven points in ten games, like that's actually pretty nice. I like that. Yeah, and then solid. I guess uh, I don't know. I didn't watch the Sens game last night, but. Apparently they were. You were saying Beebs when he played for Calgary, they used to just put him in front of the net and let him tip yeah, shit in all the time. And I guess that that's what they were doing. Tip shit. They were doing with him in Ottawa the other day in practice. He stood like out front for like ten minutes just tipping pucks. So it's not a bad idea. Yeah, so maybe they're. Yeah, so maybe they're looking at going back to his Calgary days and and, and trying something like that. Uh, but the two guys, He's I got a big butt. So yeah, like that's throw him true. Out there. Uh, I I pick I have two guys you could potentially uh-huh. target on the waiver wire, uh, one in a, in a shallower league and then one in a deeper league. Um, Ryan Callahan, who's owned in f- only forty one percent of leagues, uh, Callahan has five goals, six assists, so eleven points in his last eight games, playing on the top line um, on a great Tampa Bay team, playing with Stamkos. Gino man, Gino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stamkos has been on fire. We've seen uh, we saw we saw him score twenty four goals last year. He's only got ten this year, so um, the slow start is probably what you can pinpoint is low own percentage on uh, people just kind of haven't reacted to him as quickly as they, they should have on the waiver wire. But I mean, Stamkos, he, I think he had goals in like six straight before he played the Leafs the other day. Um, so playing along Stamkos is obviously going to help your fantasy value. And at only 41% own, he should be available in most leagues. Um, the other one is Nino Niederreiter. Um, Niederreiter has four goals and four assists in nine games since the wild hired John Torchetti. Um, He's only owned in 7% of leagues, and I really liked Niederreiter as a potential breakout candidate. Start of the year, uh, obviously that didn't pan out, but I'll take another shot at him here, maybe as a nice sleeper uh, for the playoffs in deeper leagues. Totally. Uh, I mean, shit. Not, him and Eric Halla. Yeah, 8 points in 9 games. They, they're playing a more up-tempo game under Torchetti. Uh, the Wilds' offenses look better, you know, altogether. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully, if you're again, if you're in a deeper league, 7% owned, he's most likely available uh, if you need help with the wing. Niederreiter's the guy. And then one last guy I wanted to mention, again, he's owned in, like, I think it's 68% or maybe a little higher even. But Marion Hosa, he didn't have the greatest year, so his own percentage is down. But he's returning. Who called that? Who called that? He's returning from, you did. Uh, he's Thank returning you. from an injury soon as well, and he's obviously going to be on a little bit better line than he was before he got hurt. So Hosa playing with uh, Taves and then the newest addition in Andrew Ladd. Uh, that line's looking to do some damage. So if Host is available in your league, he's worth taking a look at, especially if you own a guy like Patrick Martelow. Um yeah. But that's it for us. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't have time today to pump out the, the question onto Twitter about you guys giving us questions, so we didn't really get any responses. So shame on you guys. Uh, but so Also shame on Brock. Yeah, shame on me as well. But uh, <laughs> And if you're wondering why I got so aggressive about that Hosa call there, just watch the first episode again. Yeah. He's wrong me. Yeah, he big leagues. You know he big me. leagues the kid. Um, yeah. But then before we go really quick, I guess we got a couple minutes here, and I know D's been kind of waiting for this for 
well, 18 episodes. If you heard me talking about, if you heard me say hashtag Sports Illustrated earlier in the episode, D, why don't you go ahead and tell them why? Oh, yeah, I guess, uh, sure. We've never really... uh, We got time, might as well mention it. And we were talking about about the playoff series, so I mean, I feel like there's no better time than now. So a lot of people, you know, you may or may not remember, but uh, in a few days after the Game 7, there was a viral, a video that went viral on YouTube of a bunch of Leaf fans watching the third period of that game and their reactions to it, and it was clipped together goal by goal, and it was super depressing as a Leaf fan. Uh, I was actually in that video, said video, <laughs> um, shot in my buddy's basement. It uh, blew up, hit nearly a million views, I think. Uh, and then it kind of seemed like it, it ran its course. It was whatever. We made it on to, not ourselves, but the video and the story of it made it on to a bunch of different uh, platforms in the uh, Toronto and sports kind of industry. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, and then, you know, when just so that happened in April, and then we thought it was all said and done. And we got a random email in November uh, from an editor at Sports Illustrated, and they wanted to write a feature story on us, which we thought was super weird <laughs> and didn't really understand. But it turned out all right. We uh, we ended up going into uh, – I'm trying to think. It wasn't was it a year, like, year, year in review or whatever? It wasn't the year in review, but it was like right before because Peyton Manning was on the cover for it for a Sportsman of the Year. It was his first year in Denver. So that was pretty cool. I got a lot of copies of that magazine. Uh, maybe make it back in Sports Illustrated one day. There you go, but, the uh, po- DFO podcast. Yeah, there you go. So uh, if you hear any references to uh, anything like that of that ridiculous story, you know. No, it was uh, cool. I, I, sometimes when I look back on that, I'm like, damn, it would have been cool just like because like I just love to watch hockey, but I I, didn't, I don't think I was ever invited to that that game, and I would have. I was been working, there. No. and I was it like was all on my way. way. It was yeah. so it's so funny. Like that video is hilarious. We'll post the video to the. Uh, yeah, to, we'll to our out. Twitter, just in case any of you guys haven't seen it, you guys will be able to check D out in that video. Uh, I'm sure a lot. I'm sure if you if you have seen it, you know, you either know what I'm talking about or you'll you'll watch it again and kind of yeah. come back. to it. It's it hilarious how big that that got. That's so funny. It blew up. A couple of the guys got on Leafs lunch. Uh, you know, way to go TSN. I'm gonna put TSN on blast real quick. Uh, a video of six diehard Leaf fans, maybe seven, good friends, and you call them up. And offer them two tickets to a Leaf game, and offer to buy them two jerseys. Come you on, know, that's it. Come on, TSN, wake up. Two of them, wake up. So uh, the other guys got to go for like a tour of the studio, and you know they booked them a table at Real Sports Bar, which was awfully nice. <laughs> yeah, you know? two of them. It's, but, uh, it's no, funny. I just stayed home, worked, and watched the game from home. It, I was pretty salty about it. It's funny putting TSN on blast because uh, <laughs> a couple years ago, when I think we mentioned it earlier, when I interviewed. Uh, Jay and Dan, when they moved to uh, Fox Sports 1, I asked them, I don't know if you guys remember this, but like I've always watched Trade Center for years and years, and they used to shrink out of this Gino Retta mug that D- yeah. Jay and Dan got one time. And I, uh, So when I was interviewing them, I asked them, like, do you guys still have the, J- uh, you know, the Gino Retta mug? And they were like, oh, believe it or not, like, as big of a sports conglomerate as TSN is, like, they're too cheap to buy more than one <laughs> mug. And when we left, they, they kept it. <laughs> That's they bought one Gino Retta mug. That was it. And then they just kept oh, it. So. Bell Media, baby. Yeah. So I always found that hilarious. Uh, hopefully, if TSN ever, you know, is thinking about hiring me, hopefully they don't go back and think that I'm tripping them here. I didn't say it. Jay and Dan did. Leafs lunch. If you're ever looking at hiring me, I am absolutely tripping you. That was a bonehead decision. You're better than that. You created some dilemma in a group of six close friends. It wasn't that much dilemma. It was just kind of dumb. Yeah, but anyways, yeah. before anyway, we okay. before we we're go done. on for any longer, um, boys, it's been 19. I can't believe we're almost at 20. Uh, yeah. Fantasy season's wrapping up. We've only got 40 days left in the regular season. Pretty crazy. So that's really only it's probably what like five or six more players. Yeah, that's o- that's only like four more episodes, and then we'll probably do a, a fantasy playoff episode, and maybe we'll just talk playoffs a couple times during the playoffs. Just talk, yep. not fantasy, just talk puck. You know, I'm sure there's some people out there that want to listen. Reality puck. There you go. Yeah. But anyways, uh, boys, it's been fun. Let's send it over to the Blue Stones as always. Take it away, Stones. I'm going to miss you guys.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.